when they came together in worship, it, it, was, it was praising God for his goodness in the midst. I've, I've been lamenting all week long, but now I'm getting with my brothers and sisters well, we and can we are celebrating God's That's right. Hey friends, welcome to another exciting edition of The Link. I'm so grateful for each one of you, to my Woodside family, so appreciate you, and to our friends who may not be a part of a Woodside campus, please know that it's our heart's desire to be here as a constant source of encouragement to you as well. Today we're gonna cover a very important topic that is near and dear to my heart. You all know that it's Black History Month, which is an opportunity for us to celebrate God's manifold wisdom as he works through the diverse people of the world. So many of you have asked questions for me, of me rather, and uh, various leaders within our church. So we thought it would be very helpful for us to talk about the origin of Black History Month and the contribution of African and African Americans in advancing the gospel. Now, just to be clear, when Black History Month started years ago, it was a broad celebration of the contribution of blacks in so many areas of our culture and society, from the arts to the sciences, from economics to education. But today, because we have limited time, we're going to specifically celebrate what God has done through the work and contribution, again, of African and African Americans to advancing the church. And I believe you're going to be blessed. Uh, joining me for this conversation are two friends that I appreciate uh, a lot. Dr. Eric Moore, who is a professor at Moody Theological Seminary, uh, Michigan campus. He works in applied theology and church uh, ministries. He's also a pastor at Tree of Life Church, uh, Tree of Life Fellowship. I'm so grateful for you, brother. You're such a blessing to us. Uh, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me, Pastor Chris. Really appreciate being here. Yeah, and then Jacob Lay, a familiar face. Uh, he's been on the link with me before. He's also the campus pastor for our Farmington Hills campus. Jacob, thanks for joining. Yeah, glad to be here. Well, I'll start with you, Jacob, and uh, maybe a, a question that can uh, kick us off is, uh, why is Black History Month special? Why is it something that the church should celebrate? Uh, why should it be a part of the rhythms of our life? And, and really, how does it really uh, point us back to God and his grace and goodness? Yeah, I think that's a, a great question. <laughs> great set of questions, really, in a lot of ways. Uh, one, I think it goes back to what you said originally, that there's this manifold wisdom of God that he uses all different peoples and cultures in his eternal plan. And I think being able to celebrate some of the different ways that we see God work amongst the different peoples of the world is important. And to be able to focus on that is important. But I think Black History Month, I mean, even for me, I think there's, there's a personal aspect to it uh, that I've come to realize of why it's so significant even in my own life. You know, in 2015, when we adopted our daughter and immediately became a kind of a multiracial family, uh, I began to realize that there were a lot of gaps in my own understanding of history as it related to African-Americans. Um, there were cultural distinctives, but even as I dialogued with our daughter in our home, you know, I was well-educated. I, I, I was homeschooled, graduated from, uh, ultimately graduated from a, a high academic high school, have a bachelor's degree, master's degree, and we'd get into these conversations and I realized, man, there's, there's things I just don't know about the history of black people in our society and even globally. And so it took on a personal element, element for me. And then be, as I went into that journey, I think I began to realize, you know, the history, especially of African-Americans and Africans, isn't just 
is, is part of our history as yes. Christians and as yes. people and even in our society and the world. So it isn't just, hey, this is their history and we have our history, like, you know, my history, but there's really an our history element to this. And it brought insight. It brought an understanding, not just for my family, but how I related to the culture around me, how I related to brothers and sisters yeah. in Christ. And so I think it, I've seen it just become significant even for the church. If we don't understand our history yeah. as both white people and black people, how are we really going to navigate together the cultural challenges that we're even experiencing today in the church so and good. some of those things. So I yeah. think that's part of the reason why it's so important. Yeah, whenever I think of history, I think of his story. And so we get a chance to tell his story from many different angles. And, you know, I love what you just said. There is a contemporary value to knowing our history. Nothing new under the sun, right? So if we can learn how God allowed his grace to work through the diverse peoples of the world, unity and diversity, we can experience that here. And the church should excel at that. You know, Dr. Moore, oftentimes when we talk about black history, people automatically jump to the civil rights movement and they think about more contemporary figures, but in many ways, black history starts in the Bible. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's interesting you asked me that question because um, a couple years ago for uh, African American Black History Month, I was going through uh, studying some characters and teaching on some characters. And one of the things, I had to go all the way back to Genesis because I know in, in, in our history, um, oftentimes uh, the passage where Noah curses Canaan is used to kind of keep um, African-Americans uh, in, in their place. And just doing, doing a study like that, realized uh, that uh, really uh, Noah had cursed the Canaanites. <laughs> he, he, hadn't, he hadn't cursed the, um, the African people. And then you, you kind of trace through the Bible, you see that Moses ended up uh, marrying a Cushite woman, right? And um, God actually uh, punished Miriam for criticizing uh, that relationship. You go to uh, Jeremiah, and Jeremiah is thrown in the, the cistern to, to die. And uh, Ebed-Melech, who is also a Cushite, comes and saves the day for, uh, for Jeremiah. And then, of course, we have the Ethiopian eunuch. And yes, we, we do. I mean, we can, we, we, we can just go through the Bible and we can see that God um, highlights uh, Africans, people of African descent, all through his scripture to show that he loves diversity and he also loves the African people just as much as anybody else. Glad you brought up that Ethiopian eunuch. Had to bring Let him Let me up. just say, <laughs> as someone who is married to an Ethiopian, you know, I do praise God that Ethiopia is so prominent in Scripture. I know for my children, it is something of not only pride and heritage, but it also helps us to, again, affirm the fact that God was not at work just in isolated fashion. He was at work in, in broad, sweeping fashion from the very beginning, the Queen of Sheba uh, and, and Solomon, uh, the importance there. And so uh, as you study scripture, I would just encourage you to do a study on the African presence in the Bible. You know, we're going to talk about resources throughout this entire discussion, but I, I love Thomas Oden's uh, book about uh, Africa and the Christian mind and how important uh, Africa has been in shaping Christianity, uh, I would encourage you to, uh, to check that out. You know, but, but Jacob, 
you know, as we think about the rich work of Christ and, uh, and the gospel and the contribution of the African people in scripture, we also can think about church history. So when you reflect on church history, what stands out to you when you think about the black contribution to church history? Well, I think there's a couple of things that stand out. One is really the presence of theology within the African tradition right from the get-go. You know, sometimes I think it's easy when we even think of early church fathers, we kind of paint them in kind of the Greco-Roman light. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you have Tertullian, Mm -hmm. you have Augustine, who is one of the most influential historical figures, both who were from North Africa. They were African. Yeah. You have Athanasius, who one of the great ecumenical creeds of Christianity, the Athanasian Creed, is after his, his theological contributions, again, from, from the African continent. So I think you see that early on. So you see contributions from the get-go that oftentimes I think in history we, we forget the importance of Africa, even as it shaped early church theology, yes. it shaped tradition, you know, and, and obviously I think there's a lot of different things, but that early church tradition at least is one for me that I've kind of found, yeah, we need to remember that our theology is not just shaped by a Eurocentric people. It's really global. I think we all teach and learn from our cultural context, right? So when I was in seminary, and I learned about the Protestant Reformation, uh, which I praise God for as a Protestant, right? I learned about it as strictly a movement that happened in Europe, primarily Wittenberg and Germany, and you think about Castle Church and all that happened with Martin Luther. What I learned later is that Martin Luther, as he's shaping his theology, is corresponding with Michael the Ethiopian deacon, who's a part of the Ethiopian church, and he even goes to visit him. And so much of what he learns there in Ethiopia and through those exchanges shapes what we now call Protestant theology, which was so important. So there was dialogue. There was a sense of um, uh, learning from one another. And I praise God for that because I think that's that's a powerful, powerful narrative. Uh, but I think that we can't talk about black history and black contribution to the church without talking about the struggle to uh, overcome uh, mistreatment, oppression, uh, to uh, be able to re- maybe emphasize one of the great characteristics of God. And that is that God is a God who gives voice to the voiceless. God is a God of of justice. Talk about that, Dr. Moore, and how the uh, African and uh, African-American church experiences help uh, the church to see that. Yeah, so it's it's very interesting talking about about Africa. I I just want to say a couple things. One is, you know, oftentimes we think that Christianity came to Africa um, as a result of uh, the colonization of it. Uh, but if you look at East Africa and what's going on in Ethiopia, yeah. I mean, the, the gospel was spreading through East, East uh, Africa um, without the colonization yeah. of West Africa, which I think is really, really rich. But when we start talking about um, that as uh, missionaries came to West Africa along with colonizing it, uh, it's the, the uh, Africans actually embraced Christianity but they struggled, yeah. and, and the struggle was is that the God that was being taught and preached, they didn't see the people who were bringing the message 
living out what they were preaching. So this was an anomaly to them, right? And so that also came over into um, the colonies, into the United States with slavery. And uh, so the Africans, uh, African-Americans at that time in slavery, uh, they embraced Christianity, but they, they embraced a form uh, as far as worship and call and response. They kind of brought their tradition uh, from Africa. And so their Christianity was, was formed in the crucible of suffering, yes. right? So it, uh, a lot of what we have today in uh, traditional African-American churches is a result of what was formed in those early years of, of slavery. And, and, and also what came with that was a mindset more so of the prophet of the Old Testament, right? So it is um, um, going back to Africa with a tribal leader. And so this was that same type of tradition come, came over. So we normally, our, our pastors, our preachers in the African-American community is a, a leader who is respected in the, in the community and is expected to have an impact on the social life of the community. Yeah. And I think that's one of, the, one of the things that we see and sometimes people don't understand in the black church. Yeah, no, I love that. And I wanna come back to that, but I gotta go back okay. to the power of what I would call a slave hermeneutic. Mm-hmm. The power of the hermeneutic of those who were African slaves absolutely blows me away. Think about this for a moment. The very people who uh, were bringing you into slavery, right? Um, Oftentimes were the ones who were teaching you the gospel and they had a strong enough hermeneutic to be able to see the God of the gospel and see the contrast between the God of the gospel and the behavior of those who were teaching the gospel message to them. And in many ways, I I think the slaves of that day and other abolitionists as well, uh, white and black who saw the scriptures clearly preserve Christianity and help it to live up to what uh, I believe uh, Christ calls us to, and that is loving God, loving people as a reflection of the grace that he gives us. So I just think that that's, that's absolutely powerful, you know, and, and these are things that, you know, hey, as much as I've read, as much as you've read, there's still a lot to be able to learn. And I think, I think that's one of the things, even when I think of black history, is something that the church, particularly in our context, needs to continue to learn and embrace. Because I think one of the challenges we see in the church today is how do we handle suffering? We often have a cultural mentality that we should always be victorious, we should always be exceptional, things should always be good and better and right. And then all of a sudden we face moments either as a community or individually where we, we face suffering or challenge and we, we get disoriented But when you look back at a tradition of Christians who have forged theology out of suffering, you realize there's actually resources to learn from and people to learn from so that those experiences don't have to be so disorienting for us individually or even as a Christian community. Yeah, our producer for this show, uh, Reve, was sharing with me that she spent last year just learning about lament, you know, and uh, that is such a... um, you know, kind of a clear and strong doctrine uh, that has been a staple part 
of the African-American church experience, which I would describe this way. It is the belief that when suffering comes, instead of running from God, running to God in my pain and being able to believe him, trust him for his goodness, even in my suffering. But if you have not studied that, right, then yeah, all of it can be terribly uh, disorienting. You mind if I piggyback on that? Because that's good. That's good. Because, <laughs> because of that lament and because of that suffering, it is the reason why African-American worship services are so lively. The slaves came together to celebrate after, after a week of suffering. Yes. Yes. I right? Yep. We're coming together to celebrate God's goodness that he has seen us through another week. We still, our, our brother and our sister was in Seoul. My wife is still here. I mean, so, so, so when they came together in worship, it, it, was, it was praising God for his goodness in the midst. I've, I've been lamenting all week long, but now I'm getting with my brothers and sisters and we, and can we are celebrating God's That's right. goodness, right? That's right. I love yeah. it. You know, a lot of times people also uh, uh, assume that because you've not uh, read in seminary a theology written by an African or an African-American that they don't exist. Right. And that's why I love the research that's happening now. Uh, contemporary research. I got, a, again, a couple resources. Uh, Vince Bantu is uh, doing a lot of work on how uh, Afri uh, Christianity was in West Africa even earlier than the transatlantic slave trade and bringing the theology of that uh, to our contemporary moment. A great scholar. And then also Walter Strickland. Uh, has written a book, Plain Theology for Plain People, and he uh, highlights the theologies that have been written in the past by African Americans that often uh, are, are overlooked. Um, let's talk about representation, and I'd love for you to uh, comment on this. Uh, Jacob, uh, what do you think it means as you think about your children, your grandchildren? What do you think it means to be able to see uh, uh, representation of African and African-Americans when you're talking about church history and even in, in the contemporary moment? I think what it, I think it has huge implications for how people relate to the gospel. Yeah. Because if we pigeonhole the gospel to be primarily geared towards one continent, one people, if representation even scripturally seems to be portrayed that there's kind of a mono-ethnic feel to scripture. It's very easy, I think, for us to become disenfranchised with the truth of the gospel, uh, which I think we've seen the challenges of over time. And so when I think even of, of my own, my daughter, my boys, my grandkids, right, what I want them to understand is God is really a God of all nations and people, that that, that really is the key. And that when you look through scripture, they're all there. Yes. Every nation at some point is touching with the truth of how God is moving throughout history. And I loved what, what you did, Dr. Moore, just walking through even from the African perspective. But I think you see that all over, right? I mean, Thomas went to India, they said. Yes. Like, there, there's this movement yes. in Scripture where the gospel and the movement of God across the world is, is touching all these people. And I want, I want my kids to understand, especially as a multi-ethnic family, and I know you share that as well, I want my kids to understand, listen, this Jesus we serve yes. is for each one of you. Yes. 
in your own culture, your own ethnicity, the the history that you bring to the table, he's not asking you to set that aside. He wants you to bring that in and he's going to, he's going to use that in his glorious purpose. So I, I think representation is huge in terms of helping us see the gospel that it touches all people to see the glory of God across all nations and, and to see Christ in his kingdom in the kind of multi-ethnic vision that we see in scripture in a, in a powerful way. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. I love it. And, and I love the fact that we get a chance to, as brothers in Christ, be able to celebrate how God is at work in all people, a multitude of people. Let's talk about women for just a moment, because I'd be remiss if we didn't give a shout out. I was looking at uh, a documentary recently, and it was highlighting Dr. King's uh, speech to Maul, uh, Washington Maul, and here he is trying to find words to speak to this crowd of hundreds of thousands of people. And he was uh, struggling at the beginning of his speech, Uh, but sitting just a few seats away from him was Mahalia Jackson. And Mahalia Jackson, if you don't know that name, you should look her up. She is one of the great, if not the greatest, gospel singer in gospel music history. And she says she traveled with Martin Luther King Jr., heard a lot of his speeches, and she yells while he's struggling with his words to find his words. And she says, Martin, tell him about the dream. He had, told, he had preached that I have a dream message uh, before in Detroit, actually. He had preached that I have a dream message. And here, Mahalia Jackson, one of the great female contributors to not only church history, a pivotal moment in church history, might I add, the civil rights movement, uh, but uh, a friend of Dr. King who helps to give him the words that turns into one of the most famous speeches of one of the great Americans uh, and great churchmen of, of uh, recent time, Dr. King. So I think, about, I think about Mahalia Jackson and I say, man, she's somebody that should be celebrated. Uh, anybody come to your mind, Dr. Moore? Yeah, I think, of, I think of Harriet Tubman and I think of Mary McLeod Bethune. Yeah. You know, um, they just did a movie um, was it last year, year before last, on Harriet Tubman? Harriet Tubman. It was great. And I, I love the fact that they, they highlighted her faith, right? And so, you know, you read her bio, um, biography and you see that she was somebody who really felt that God had directed her to do what she, she yes. did, right? And then on the other hand, you have Mary McLeod Bethune, who was a student at Moody, of course, kind of kind of pumping up Moody right there now. There you go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, founded Bethune-Cookman's uh, College. And so you have, the, you have these African-American women who sometimes are behind the scenes, but sometimes are out front doing a lot of wonderful things for the Church of Jesus Christ. So shout out to our sisters, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, definitely. And, and you know, and every one of us knows uh, a woman who has made major contribution to advancing the gospel. I would just say about Mary McLeod Bethune, uh, the, the impact she had on education. I mean, she was an advisor to presidents um, in a time where uh, black and brown children oftentimes didn't have access or in some places even legal right to education. And here she was, somebody who was a champion for education. And uh, I think about so many of us who have gone through K-12, you know, undergrad experience, now graduate degrees and doctorate degrees, and uh, so much of it goes back to a woman 
of her prowess. Again, the list could go on and on and on, but it's just, uh, it's, it's awesome. You know, what do you want young people to know today? Maybe, uh, Jacob, you're thinking uh, of, you know, um, African-American uh, kids in your own church, uh, this generation, they're so passionate, uh, you know, so much energy. God calls the young because they're strong. So praise God for that. But what would you want them to know as we think about Black History Month? I think, I think one of the things I would want them to know is how important it is. Uh, I think it's easy for us in society when we come into Black History Month, it, it's become a cultural thing. So we hear about it culturally. It seems like every commercial on TV is connected to it. And, and that's good. I'm not, I'm not knocking that at all. I'm just saying it's kind of become in our cultural ethos. And when things become so embedded in culture, it's easy for us to just kind of give a nod to it. And, and not really actually see the importance of it. Yes. And I think what I want, especially younger people as they kind of grow up with this embedded cultural month that we have right now is to say this actually is important. Yes. That there actually is lessons to be learned here, not, not just in secular history, but in Christian history mm-hmm. that we have to continue to prioritize. And, and it goes back to what I said before because I think it really is our history. It influences the church, our thinking, the, it, it helps in how we theologize and how we interpret scripture and all of that. And so what I would encourage people is to say like, hey, every year this month is going to come around. Don't get stale with it. Don't get to a point where you're just, you give your nod to black history. You, you kind of do that. No, use it as an opportunity to continue to press in because and we go back to that time again, God's vision is multi-ethnic. That's where his kingdom is going. And if that's what eternity is going to be, why wouldn't we use the opportunity we have now, even on a yearly basis, to lean into that vision and, yes. and to pursue it? So use this month as an opportunity to continue to learn, I think, no matter what age, but especially, yes. especially for those kind of coming up. Yeah, I think that's so good. So good. Well, gentlemen, obviously we could talk for hours. I want to be able to respect your time. Um, any resources that you want us to be mindful of that you would encourage uh, folks to check out? Yeah, I'll make sure I, I pass it on to you. But there is a book um, by C. Eric Lincoln yeah. on the black church and, and its history. And I think that's a phenomenal, phenomenal book. Yeah, that's good. We'll make sure that there are links in um, our uh, postscript as well for you to be able to have. But Dr. Moore, would you be willing to uh, pray for us? Yeah, definitely. Most definitely. Father God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are uh, not just all-powerful and all-knowing, but you are creative. And uh, you have created creatures in the bottom of the sea that men are just now finding out that they exist. And you love beauty. And in your highest creation, uh, humankind, you have created us different, different sizes, different shapes, different colors, all those different things, and we praise you for that. We pray that you would help us as a church of Jesus Christ and not to use those differences as reasons to divide us, but reasons for us to be fascinated with one another and to encourage one another in, in, in the wonder that you have created us and that you would help us to use our gifts and talents to further your kingdom. Thank you for this uh, great church that allows us to come and have these type of conversations. Thank you for Pastor Brooks. We thank you for Pastor Lay. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for all that you're doing. Bless us now in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Friends, I'm so grateful for you joining us today. Hey, a couple of resources that I would love for you to consider. First, for children, a great book by Dave and Netta Jackson entitled Heroes from Black Church History. I think it'll be great for you uh, to be able to get that for kids if you want to introduce them to uh, this topic. Also, I love Trillian Newble's wonderful book, God's Very Good Idea. It's a celebration of God's brilliance and beauty through diversity. For you adults, maybe you want to pick up an encyclopedia. I love what Jacob said, keep it fresh. So I would encourage you, Dr. Marvin McMickle, uh, we'll make sure that it's in the postscript, uh, has a wonderful encyclopedia uh, celebration of African-American church history. So I hope this has been a blessing. Uh, make sure you uh, comment below, share uh, this particular link, and make sure you tune in next time. And we can't wait to see you on the next edition of The Link. 